If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, it's Monique. Welcome to episode 92 of the Brown Vegan Podcast. And with this show, I love to show veganism from a practical perspective with my own tips. And I love to bring on guests to share their experiences as well. Not only do we just talk about food on the show, we also talk about vegan entrepreneurship and wellness because veganism is a lifestyle. It's so, so much more than food. And so we like to dive into all of the topics that will help make life easy for you to help you grow, learn, thrive and be amazing so that's the goal of this show so y'all really showed up and showed out for episode 91 with dr bobby price thank you so much for all of the feedback it's been actually kind of overwhelming all of the amazing feedback that you guys have given to us for that episode has been awesome um so many of you guys said you listened to it multiple times and That's actually why I wanted to do the episode in January, because I knew this time of year, a lot of people were starting to really think about their lives and how they wanted their new year to look. So, so glad that we started off the new year with a bang with Dr. Price. And if you haven't listened, be sure to go check out episode 91 with him. One of the things I kept hearing last year is the fact that people wanted me to do more solo episodes because when I started this podcast, that's exactly what I did. I did mostly solo because I didn't really know how to do interviews. (laughs) I wasn't sure you know, the technology behind interviews and actually getting people to come on my show. I didn't know how all of that was going to look. So I just started off my podcast talking on my iPod and just sharing tips and I didn't really know how that would look so because I spent so much I would say the last couple of years just doing interviews some of the people who've been around for a minute shout out to all of y'all have been requesting more solo episodes and that is why I am here I'm gonna go ahead and give you a solo episode I'm sitting in my closet right now because um, I tried to record a little bit of the intro and I was in a living room and The sound was kind of weird out there. So I'm recording on my phone in my closet, got the light on, got my water, got some blankets and pillows around me (laughs) to make the sound a little better. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to vibe out and I'm going to answer all of these questions that I got from when I posted this. uh, When I did one of those Ask Me Anythings on Insta Story, I'm going to go ahead and answer some of these questions that I received. Let's go ahead and get into it. The first question is, how did I start my vegan journey? I grew up like most of us. I grew up eating a standard American diet. Um, My parents weren't vegans or vegetarians. And so I just ate whatever they cooked for me. I will say that one of the advantages I think that I did have is the fact that my dad is an amazing cook. Like people travel to eat his food. He's such a good cook. And wherever we lived, he always grew our food. So we would always have tomatoes and watermelon and peppers and herbs and just whatever (laughs) he had whatever he felt like growing we would have so I grew up on a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables and I, I always enjoyed fruits and vegetables because of that so when I left home you would think that I would have probably wanted to you know cook my own food and tend to my own garden but I didn't I had my own family and I would hit the drive through 
on the way home all the time or I would go to the grocery store and make like fish sticks and <laughs> and powdered potatoes like Dr. Price talked about in his episode. That's the kind of cooking that I did. That's what I did for many years um, after I started my own family because I just didn't really think about it too much. I figured as long as we had we had a meat, a starch and a vegetable, no matter where it really came from, that's fine. Let's go ahead and just eat that. So I think that may be the case for a lot of people. We just get tired or we don't really think about it and we just grab whatever we see. So I was no stranger to hitting somebody's drive through on the way home for work as often as I could. <laughs> so that that was my reality. And it wasn't until 2008. It wasn't until I read a book called Skinny Bitch that I decided that, you know what, maybe I need to be more mindful about what I do and how I do it. Right. So. I think I saw Victoria Beckham. It was like a paparazzi picture of her carrying this book. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's probably a diet book. Let me go and see what they're talking about. Because I want to eat better. You know, I, I eat too much junk food. So let me go ahead and just check this book out and see what it's all about. And I got the book and I get it home and I start reading it. And I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, they got me. I said they got me because I had no idea that it was a book about veganism. And I actually grew up near PETA. I grew up near their headquarters. And I thought that vegans were mean and crazy. And I never wanted to be associated with vegans because I would always see news stories featuring PETA and they would throw paint on people. And they just didn't seem like the type of people that I wanted to be associated with. So to me, veganism for most of my life up until that point were people who were weird or crazy. And it didn't relate to me at all. So I read this book and I was like, oh, shit, now I'm going to have to be a vegan because now I know about animal cruelty. Now I know about factory farming. Now I understand that dairy is just terrible for my health. It's not necessary. Meat isn't necessary. I need to really start to change some things around. And so I really felt at that time really overwhelmed. You know, in 2008, I was so overwhelmed because I had no idea what I wanted to eat, but I was also afraid to eat anything. I'm sure some of you guys can probably relate to this. You watch a documentary, read a book, and then it makes you nervous. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to eat now? Now that I know this information, <laughs> what's the next step? And so that's exactly how I felt. And, and I end up living on sunflower seeds and water and apples for two weeks because I was terrified to eat anything. <laughs> and so I was a vegan at that time for two weeks. Out of It was like a default. It wasn't something that was necessarily intentional. I just didn't know what else to do. After those two weeks were over, and I was pretty hungry at that point, <laughs> I decided that I would just go ahead and be a vegetarian because I felt like that would be much easier than being vegan because vegan seemed like it was difficult. I was like, I don't really want to be hungry all the time. I love food, especially good food. And I was just like, eh, I don't know if this would be something for me. I was a vegetarian for two years, and I had no plans of ever being a vegan again because... I tried it before in my mind, quote unquote, tried it <laughs> I, I, and it didn't work for me. So um, it wasn't until 2010, April 2010, when I read Sister Vegan by Breeze, Dr. Breeze Harper. And that was the first time that I saw veganism as something that resonated to me as a woman of color. Up until that point, everything that I saw about veganism tend to be from single people, um, from white women, um, who usually had a little bit more money than I did. And it never really felt like 
it was something that spoke directly to me until I actually read that book. It was the first time that not only did I see black women loving their vegan life, but they were living their best lives as vegans. And I remember reading this book at work and just sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a vegan. It looks amazing. I'm so thankful that I read this. And at that time, that's what I did. I decided at that moment to be a vegan. And I think that is so crucial because what happens is when you decide that this is the life for you, it puts you in a position to be open to researching and experimenting and just testing things out in the kitchen opposed to kind of flip-flopping and never making the decision and then you just don't do it at all. You know what I mean? So I felt like that was so powerful. But at the same time, I also felt that it was kind of weird that I wanted to be vegan for animal rights reasons, because I'm just like, as a black woman, why do I care about some damn animals? But the truth is, it's so much bigger than that. I mean, we can definitely care about more than one thing. We can care about ourselves. We can care about our families. We can care about what happens to other people and animals. It's okay to care about all of those different those different injustices that happen in our in our community and outside of our community. And so... That's what did it did it for me. I think that being a vegan for animal rights reasons actually helped me a lot in those early days because it felt like I was really serving other people and not just serving myself and my family. So that was really, really important to me. And it actually put like a conviction on my heart in those early days. And I just remember writing down why I wanted to do it and really being clear about that and making the decision to do it. And I think that even an extra step that people should take is you should also think about what you want your life to look like because you are doing this you know just take it some extra just take that extra time and figure that out and that was really really helpful in those early days just getting clear about my why and making that decision to do this another thing that really helped me start my vegan journey is replacing a lot of my non-vegan ingredients with vegan ones I can't remember if I threw all of my non-vegan food out of the pantry in the refrigerator when I first went vegan or did I just replace it as I went I can't remember I have a feeling that I probably just threw everything away so what I did is I made sure that I replaced our milk so we were having dairy I was buying like grass-fed organic gallon milk you know it was like ten dollars it was so expensive and I started buying almond milk instead. You know, instead of buying dairy butter, I started buying Earth Balance vegan margarine. Instead of buying ground beef, I was buying like the vegan crumbles, you know. So I just started making that transition, like changing out the ingredients to making better options. I will say that I failed a lot in the kitchen, like a ton. And I still fail in the kitchen. There's no perfection over here whatsoever. But I really did fail a lot in the beginning. And I think it's important to understand that it's going to take some time to get more, uh, to feel more comfortable in the kitchen. So you just have to keep going, even, you know, despite the fact that you may not be a cook, because I know that was really hard for me in the beginning, not being much of a cook. And to be vegan and to make this lifestyle affordable, you have to get your butt in that kitchen because that's the only way that you're going to save money. And I feel like it's a great way to do this long term as well. It's just to get, you know, get comfortable in the kitchen, get comfortable working with ingredients that you've never worked with before that really helped me in the beginning so that's what I did a lot of a lot of experimenting a lot of failures a lot of complaining for my family because they were not having it (laughs) so it was just a mess you know and I think that the family part was probably some of the hardest of all of this because my family was so used to me 
making a separate meal because I was a vegetarian before that and I and it didn't affect them at all. And then when I became vegan, it was like, oh, hell no, this is affecting my life. now. <laughs> what are you doing? Because I didn't want to cook meat. You know, I didn't I didn't want to cook any meat. I wanted this to be a lifestyle for all of us to do. And so I think at the beginning of that time, I was I was really frustrated and I was trying to do everything at one time. And if I had just sat back and just, you know, try to be more compassionate to my family, I think it would have been better because sometimes we can be compassionate to other people and animals, but we're not as compassionate to the people who are the closest to us. I know at least I wasn't at that time. I just kind of forced it on them. And I think that if I, you know, took a little bit more time and was more gentle, things would have been a lot easier in the beginning. But I was so, so convicted. I really wanted us to all do this together. And at the time, they weren't interested at all. Another thing that really helped in the early days and helped me start my journey was making sure that I knew where all of the vegan options were close to the house. Because like I said, I was so used to just going to a drive through or hitting up a grocery store and grabbing something in a package on the way home. I didn't really cook a whole lot. So being having a backup plan really kept things going for me. Um, so being able to, you know, know where the restaurants were near my house that had vegan options, knowing where the vegan restaurants were overall really, really helped me so that the days that I didn't feel like cooking, I could still grab food on the way home. It didn't feel like it was such a struggle to keep going with the journey. And also establishing some go-to meals early on were really helpful. Like my family loved tacos, so I would just make tacos for them and I would make soups and things like that and try to make enough for leftovers so we didn't have to, I didn't have to think about food as much because in the beginning I used to kind of obsess over it. Like, oh my gosh, what are we going to eat? It used to drive me crazy. I was so overwhelmed. And so just establishing some go-to meals early on were really, really helpful. Some things that I could just quickly put together and they would actually eat it. Those were the things that really helped me early in those days, just getting in the kitchen, getting clear on my why, making a decision to do this and, you know, establishing some of those go to recipes as well as finding out where the vegan restaurants were near me or the vegan options were near me. Those are the steps I took in the early days to make this vegan life work for us. If you are someone who is, you know, thinking about going vegan or maybe you are a brand new vegan, I highly recommend that you download my vegan starter kit. You can get that at brownveganvip.com. That's brownvegan, V as in Victor, I, P as in Paul, dot com. And I'll send that over to you. It has more tips in it, a grocery list, just more information about how to start your vegan journey in a way that is very practical because that's my approach to this lifestyle, just making it feel like it's something that you can do. And not only can you do it, but it can be much more than just doing a fast or a cleanse. It actually can be a lifestyle for you. So you could get that at uh, brownveganvip.com. Or if you're like, walking on the treadmill or doing something else, you can also text the word vegan kit as one word to the number 44222. That's vegan kit as one word to the number 44222. So the next question is, do I have any recommendations for good recipes using eggplant? And so eggplant to me is one of those ingredients that I don't feel like I use enough, but I will definitely change that. I need to experiment with it more. It's not my go-to vegetable. I don't think about it as much as some of the other ones that I really enjoy. There are some recipes that I've tried that I did like. One of them is on the Minimalist Baker's website. I'll link to the recipe there. And also, letsbevegan.com has a really good eggplant taco 
um, recipe, eggplant tacos recipe that I like. And so I'll also be sure to link that on the show notes for episode 92 for you so that you guys can check that out. The next question is, someone wanted to know where was my Invisible Vegan documentary? (laughs) And y'all know I laughed because I was like, wait, Jasmine is the person who um, came up with the Invisible Vegan documentary. And she actually reached out to her after I got this question. And she told me that the documentary will be available for purchase on YouTube on the 21st of January. So once it's available, I'll be sure to link it on the show notes for you guys so you can check it out. But basically, it's about being a black vegan. That's what her documentary is on. And she's going to be a guest on the podcast. I'm going to we're working on the details now so that she can come on and talk about her vegan journey, talk about her process of putting the documentary together, all of that good stuff. And I'm so disappointed in myself for actually missing the opportunity to be one of the cast members in that documentary. She reached out to me and wanted to know would I be interested in being in it if I was going to be in the L.A. area. And I told her that I had no plans of being in L.A. and I actually live in D.C. And she was like, "Okay, if you come out to L.A., let me know. We'll see what we can do. And so... Um, I didn't hear anything from her for a little while. And one day she emails me and she's like, I'm in D.C. next week. We should just do this documentary. That'll be great. Just let me know where you want to meet. And I was like, "Uh, no, I can't do it because I'm going to be in Costa Rica next week. So I missed that opportunity to be a part of this documentary. But because I have this platform, I could still have Jasmine come on and share her story, share her experiences and and tell us more about the project. So that's dope. And I'm not exactly sure at this moment when she'll be on the show, but we're definitely working on it. The next question is, what are some of the overhyped products or trends that I saw over the years that I didn't like? And if you've been following me for a while, you probably already know the answer to this. And I'm going to say that Carrot Dog is overhyped to me. I, I think it was a couple of summers ago. I felt like that's all I saw was that damn Carrot Dog. I don't care if the carrot is boiled, sauteed. It's still a carrot in my mind. I cannot. (laughs) Why do we do this as vegans? Why is this a carrot dog? And I still haven't had it. So I know I shouldn't even be saying this because I still haven't even had a carrot dog. But that was the one that I felt like would just it took forever to go away. And maybe one of these days if I go somewhere and someone has it, I'll eat it. But it have I have zero desire to try this at home. And it's not even because I don't like carrots because I do. I just cannot wrap my mind around how a carrot could taste like a hot dog. Like, what is this? <laughs> it's just, it just seems like nonsense to me. So that is the one trend that came to mind right away of something that I thought was overhyped. And I'm glad that I really don't hear about it anymore. <laughs> the next question is, do you make separate meals for your family? And the answer is no, I do not make separate meals for my family. I haven't done that since I was a vegetarian. And I just couldn't do it. I was so burnt out from when I was a vegetarian for making the separate meals. And I just had no desire to cook meat. So I don't make separate meals. Now that my kids are older, the way I look at it is I just make the food. If they eat it, they eat it. If they don't, they don't. And that kind of that's how things kind of were when I was a teenager. Um, My parents would make food for me. And if I didn't eat it, I didn't eat it. I would go buy my own food. And so I just try not to worry about it as much as I used to when they were younger. And no, I just make one meal and I try to make it something that I know they would like. 
I try to make sure that the food is good. I try to get feedback from them. You know, they all love lasagna, so I'll make a lasagna and I'll try to make it enough for a couple of days so I don't have to think about food and they don't have to think about what they're going to eat. And that's how I pretty much approach it. My kids have never been vegan. They're just very, very vegan friendly. So, nope, I don't make separate meals. We just try to figure it out as we go. Next question is, is social media your full time job? So when I think of social media, I think of Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, platforms like that as being social media. And if I was to say, do I make all of my money from those platforms? The answer would be no, I don't. Social media is not my full time job. I use social media as a way to put me out there. And I have been able to make money on these different platforms in various ways. For instance, I have this vegan challenge that I sell. And so I use Instagram as a way to sell that. I use YouTube as a way to sell that. But as far as directly making money on these platforms, not yet. Not in a form of sponsorships on a, on a full-time basis. Like I said, I've just kind of sprinkled in different sponsorships on the various platforms. But as far as it being like a full-time income from Instagram, a full-time income from YouTube, no, it's not that yet. I do want to work on doing more sponsorships on these different platforms this year. But as of right now, like I said, it's not a full-time income. I make most of my money from the podcast because I have more sponsorships on this platform. And I also make money from selling my vegan challenge. I have another product that I sell. I make money helping people as far as like consulting on the business side. People often ask me like how to grow social media, how to start a podcast, YouTube channel, things like that. That's how I make money on the side as well. And I make money offline doing cooking demos and things like that at events. I will be increasing that a lot this year. Uh, it's time. <laughs> I played around too long with it and I will be increasing those different platforms as far as making money from them. But as of right now, social media is not my full-time job if, as far as my full-time income. I do not get that off from social media. Next question is, how do you stay sane when you go down the vegan rabbit hole? People who eat raw food, Dr. CB, um, vegan keto, all of the different lifestyles. Like, How do I stay sane in that? So back in the day, it was so easy for me to go down a rabbit hole and stay there for a couple of days. You know, I would just go and watch YouTube videos and uh, read books and watch documentaries. And before you knew it, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I just have to change everything again. I would beat myself up. But I kind of feel bad a little bit for new vegans because the information is just really overwhelming. Now, at least back then, it wasn't social media. You guys have the social media component on it, too. So. I don't really go down the hole as much. I do spend some time reading different things and I just try to take parts out that I feel like will benefit my life right now. But as far as feeling like I have to be, you know, perfect and everything has to be alkaline and everything has to be organic and I can't eat processed foods, I don't really do as much of that anymore because... It was making me very unhappy and I was always beating myself up and I never felt like I was good enough. And who the hell wants to walk around feeling like that? So to me, I just try to make decisions that make the most sense. I try to make sure that I have a lot of fresh fruit in the house. I try to make sure we have, you know, good water. And I just try to go in within myself and figure out what works best for me. And that really does keep me out of that rabbit hole. So I think research is important, but I also think that it's important to figure out what works best for you. 
And I know sometimes that can feel kind of hard to do when you see so many messages saying otherwise, but you really do have to trust yourself. And so that is where I am in this journey at this moment, you know, just trusting myself and trying to do the best that I can with what I have and uh, the lifestyle that I want. So that's how I prevent going down the rabbit hole. Do you take any vegan protein powders and which one do you like? And the answer to that is no. I've tried multiple vegan um, protein powders over the years. They were all chalky or they had an aftertaste or both. So I'm not interested in vegan protein powders and I don't take them um, for that reason. Y'all have to tell me if there's one out there that I haven't tried probably that's good. Send me a message on Instagram if you tried something that is really good that doesn't taste chalky or have an aftertaste. But so far in my experience, I've only tried about three over the years and all three of them to me felt like a waste of money so nope I don't I don't take them next question is does it bother you that your family is not vegan and no not anymore when they when my kids were younger my oldest son was eight years old when we started this journey and when they were younger I did want everyone to be vegan but as time went on no for me it's all about making sure that I make the food good for them making sure that we're all respectful of each other and just you know going forward with this journey I don't really think about it as much as I used to I used to kind of obsess about it because I wanted everybody to be vegan I have teenagers now I feel like they have enough they stress me out in other areas so much more. I just want to make sure people are going, doing their work and making sure they are on time for practice and that they're following the rules and doing their chores. There's so many other things that go along with having teenagers that for me, it's just like, okay, I'm trying to pick my battles. And so because of that, I just try to make the food good and I move on. I don't stress about all of the other things that goes along with having my kids be vegan. So I think I actually had more of a reality check when my kids were younger because my two older kids, they would go to their dad's house and he wasn't vegan and they would eat non-vegan over there. So I was just used to it being that way. And I think maybe that helped me like calm down about it, you know, just like, okay, Monique, being vegan at home is enough. You don't have to like push it on them completely. Just do what works best for um, your current situation and just go from there. And that's the advice that I have for anybody who is in that situation. Just do what works best for your situation, your family situation and make adjustments as needed. You know, for me, it's like showing them good food and making it uh, with love. And then they're more likely to try it and they're more likely to be open to the change opposed to always lecturing and making people feel bad. And that's just something that I've had to learn for myself over the years. And I just highly recommend that for other people. Just make the food good, show up with love and have compassion for other people because we were not always vegans. So the next question is, how do you edit your podcast? So I use a software called Audacity. It's free and I just have it on my computer and I just take the raw interview footage or my intro or my outro and I just put all of those files together and uh, I edit the podcast that way. Uh, there was a lot of different options out there for editing software, but that's the one that I've been using all of these years. And I, I pretty much like it. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward and it's free. So that's what I use to edit my podcast. And I actually have a blog post that talks about my workflow, you know, how I do all of the steps with my podcast. And I'll go ahead and make sure that I link that 
in the show notes if you want to read it. And I have a podcast course that will be coming out on February 15th because I get podcast questions all the time. And so I'm just going to walk you through the step by step of everything that I do to uh, how I was able to start, grow and monetize my podcast. And, you know, that includes getting guests, doing the interviews, uh, getting promotion for the podcast, just everything that I've done over the years to make that happen. And so, like I said, that'll be coming out on February 15th. And if you're interested, you should go to startthatpodcast.com and sign up. It just depends on when you listen to this is going to be a a sign up form for you to be notified when the course is available or it'll actually be the sales page that you can actually purchase the course. So once again, that's startthatpodcast.com if you're interested in starting your own podcast, because like I said, I get so many questions about that. And so I figured, hey, let me just put it all in one place to make it easy for people to um, start their own. Next question is, how do you find a vegan community? And I think this is a really, really good question because this lifestyle can feel lonely as hell. It can feel like, oh my gosh, nobody else understands what I'm doing and why I'm doing this. And so I highly recommend finding like-minded people on Instagram that you or social media overall that you would like to connect with and not just follow them. But I think it's important to also leave comments and like their pictures and engage with them. And that'll help you really to find more people to hang out with. Like a lot of the people that I know is because I talk to them on Instagram (laughs) or I talk to them on Twitter and uh I think it's also important to take some of those relationships on those platforms and take it from social media to real life. And of course, be safe with it. You know, nothing crazy. But a lot of my friends that I have, a lot of people that I know from social media, I've met in real life, like Michelle from uh, Vegan Cooking with Love is one of my good vegan friends. And we used to back in the day when we first were new to our journeys, we would always go out to eat and I would call her and ask her questions about different things because she had been vegan longer than me. And it was just really, really helpful to have that sense of community because I couldn't call like, you know, my my mom or my sister about this because they don't care. (laughs) And it's not that they don't care, but they can't really relate to what we're doing. So having that using the different platforms to help you connect with people is so, so helpful. And even if you don't get to meet them in, in real life, you can maybe talk on the phone and connect that way. That's why I love doing this podcast because I feel like I've I've know so many people because of this podcast and I think that's a great way to to uh build a community is by having a podcast cuz you get to meet all the folks, you know? <laughs> Another thing too is I would recommend going to meetup.com and searching for vegan and vegetarian groups in your area. That's really helpful. There's a few that I want to go to that's in the DC area. And I follow them. Actually, they have a Facebook group too. So I just look and see what they have going on. And I do plan this year to go and be more active in some of those um, and some of those meetups that they do. A lot of times they just go to restaurants and they just hang out. They do potlucks. It's a lot of different things that you can do to meet other vegans face to face. Because I think it's important in the beginning to have that accountability. You know, it's so easy to go to start this journey and then go back and, and eat the same way that you ate before. But if you are around people who do this, too, it just makes it so much easier. So you don't feel alone. It's kind of lonely. We know that it can feel kind of lonely when you do it by yourself. So I highly recommend, you know, going to meetup.com and connecting with people that way. And if you don't see anything on there, you should start your own group and see what happens. That's good, too. Next question is, do you think it's important for a food business to have a YouTube channel? 
So if you are new to me, I do have a YouTube channel. I started the channel, I think it was back in like 2013-ish, the end-ish. Well, maybe it was like 2012. It might have been more because the podcast started in 2013. So it was probably more like 2012, I think. So I started this YouTube channel and it's basically just me sharing recipes and tips on, you know, how to transition to a vegan lifestyle. I think it's important to understand and be clear about why you want to do it because YouTube is a lot of work. And that's why a lot of times I like podcasting with YouTube because I could just like I am in my closet like chatting with y'all. And with YouTube, it requires me to do so much more work. And I think it's important to be clear about why you're doing it and who you're doing it for so that you can actually keep going. Because in the early days of YouTube, when you first start producing your content, no one's probably even going to be paying attention to it. So it has to be a strong enough reason for you to do it so that you can keep going because it's one of those things that you don't really reap the benefits of being on YouTube unless you are consistently producing content in a, in a way that people want it, you know? And so that's really important, especially if you are, I'm not sure who this person is that um, sent this question, but if you are a woman of color, I highly recommend that you be on YouTube because I feel like there isn't enough of us this, that's doing this. And one of my motivations for being on YouTube is the fact that when I started my journey, I didn't feel like there were enough vegans in a black vegan. I didn't feel like there were enough black vegans. And because of that, I thought it was so important for me to show my face on these platforms so that people can see, oh, other people of color do this. Because like I said, when I read Sister Vegan, that was the first time that I knew that black people were vegan because I didn't think that we were vegan. And that's why representation is so important. And that's why it matters. And so if you are a woman of color and a man of color, definitely start your YouTube channel have fun with it and make it happen because Lord knows it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. I've been able to book opportunities offline because of people met, saw my YouTube channel. Um, people buy my products because of my YouTube channel. And I think it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of work. So yeah, I highly recommend it if you are someone who has a food business to start your channel and grow from there. Next question is, do you have any tips on how to get kids to eat vegan? And so, yes, I do have some tips because my babies, my, like I said, my oldest son, I have three sons. My oldest was eight years old when we started this journey. Um, they were not interested in doing it, especially my middle son. He was the one who wanted to eat, you know, chicken nuggets, corn dog, french fries. He did not have time for my nonsense. <laughs> At that time, he was not interested. And so what I did is, which I think is super important when you're starting, is making some of your favorite meals that you really enjoy, making vegan versions of those or buying it that way. So for him, because he loved chicken nuggets, I gave him vegan chicken nuggets instead of having chicken, like conventional chicken. And so that made things a lot easier, just making vegan versions of their favorite foods. He was also my picky eater. So he never he was picky overall, but he really didn't like vegetables. And so he was one of those kids that he'll say, oh, mom, you don't have to put it on my plate because I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> but I sure as hell still put it on his plate. So even if it was like a tablespoon of green beans, I still kept putting it on his plate because I think that expo exposure is so important. Like keep exposing your children to fruits and vegetables as much as you can. And then they'll get to the point where they're like, OK, I might as well try because she's not going to give up on me. She's not going to give up. And that's how it is. Like, I feel like he's my out of my three kids. He's the better eater out of the three of them because um, I kept exposing him to fruits and vegetables and I would always make sure that I took my kids to the grocery store and we would try new new to us ingredients like I remember when they were little they loved love love young Thai coconuts and I remember the first time we tried it I didn't even know what to do with it so 
um he picked it out my middle son picked it out his name is elijah he picked it and we bought it home and we opened it up and we drank the coconut and then we took the coconut meat out of it and made ice cream out of it and it was amazing and just trying different fruits and vegetables and just new to us ingredients made such a difference for him in the journey especially when he would help me cook because even if it was something that he didn't necessarily want and had vegetables in it he would eat it because he contributes to cooking it so it's kind of hard to reject something that you contribute to so he would be a part of that experience just getting your kids involved in the process is really helpful I used to always find out what they wanted to eat and see if I can make a vegan version of it or something that's kind of close to what they wanted. And that cuts down on some of the drama because I know I'm telling you, I understand how it can be with the family when you're making this change. So I just highly recommend you do that. And also just try not to shame them. You know, um, like I said before, I felt like I used to shame my kids when they were little when we first started this. And I didn't like and now I don't I regret that. That wasn't cool. Um, I should have been more mindful of just just showing them that this was what we, we what we can do and why we're doing it and how I can make it good for you. You know what I mean? Instead of making them feel like, oh, you shouldn't eat that because it's bad. I mean, that's not good enough. Just <laughs> got to focus on making sure that the food is good so they will actually eat it. Um, yeah, just be gentle with yourself and be gentle with your family. It's a process. It takes time. It will not hope, happen overnight. At least for most people, it won't, especially if your kids were older like my kids were. It, they were used to eating fast food and things like that. So it's going to take some time to make those adjustments. But I just highly recommend that you just keep exposing them to the food and it'll get better. Oh, and one more tip I just thought of as I'm sitting here. <laughs> Smoothies and juice like help so much uh, when my kids were little and it actually still helps with my family. They love smoothies. They love juice. And so what I would do is I would just put um, when I would make them a fruit smoothie, I would put a little bit of spinach in it, a little bit of lettuce in it, just different vegetables a little at a time. And then eventually they would have a whole lot of vegetables and didn't even notice it. And that made a difference because at least they were still getting, they love smoothies and they were still getting some vegetables in that too. And I have a juicer, so I would juice some fresh juice for them too. So those are some of the things that really helped, um, get my kids on board, but yeah, just be gentle, take your time. Keep exposing them to as much amazing food as possible, and it will just get better over time. It may not happen overnight, but it'll get better. Next question is, do you have any advice for someone looking to start a podcast, YouTube channel, or social media platform? Yes, I do have a few tips for that. Uh, the biggest tip I say is to start before you're ready, because Lord knows you'll never feel ready. Uh, for like, for instance, this podcast, I actually started this in my, I think I was wearing a bathrobe or I was in my car. I don't remember, but I do remember knowing that I started my podcast by talking into the voice memo on my iPod. I didn't even have an iPhone back then. I had an iPod <laughs> and I would just uh, share tips that way. I had no idea how to like ex export the file and where to take the file. I just started. You have to start before you're ready because you're never going to feel ready. It's so easy to get caught up in like all of the research and looking at whatever everyone else is doing. And you're just on a sideline. You have to start and be okay with failing. Be okay with failing forward and just just going and going and, and just uh, making this work for you the best way possible. And so that's what I highly recommend is just starting before you're ready because you'll never feel ready. 
I would also recommend to be open to sharing your personality. I think that's so helpful, especially if you feel like everybody is doing what you're doing and you're really trying to stand out. Just show your personality. No one is going to do it the same way that you do it. For instance, I'm the, the person that I feel like this lifestyle can be practical. It doesn't have to be all health food all the time. Like it doesn't have to be all superfoods all the time. It's okay to have some junk food, too, because I think that's how most people live. You know, it's a practical lifestyle. It could be whatever you want. And so for me, it's just infusing some of that personality and some of those things into the brand, because that's what life is all about. Figuring out what works best for you and how you can share it in a way that people resonate with. So don't be afraid to share your personality. I would also recommend showing up to these platforms even when you don't want to. And I'm actually talking to myself when I say that because being consistent is a lot of work. (laughs) Anybody who's ever tried to do anything will tell you that it is a lot of work. So show up and show out. I'm telling you, just be take the time, even when you feel like nobody's paying attention, no one cares. Just show up, show up when you don't want to, because that consistency really does go a long way. Next question is, how did you get into podcasting? So yes, that's a good question too. I got into podcasting because um, when I started my journey back in 2010, I didn't feel like there were a lot of people that were doing this. You know, I didn't feel like there were a lot of black people that were vegan. And so what I had at the time, I had a blog. Well, I started my blog, I think in like 2011, 2012-ish. Can't remember exactly when. But when I started my blog, I would um, get other vegans to come on and just share their, you know, I would send them some questions and then they would answer some questions and then I would post it on the website. And I was like, yes, I'm just so excited to be able to get other vegans to share their experiences. And the only reason I was able to find other vegans is because of Instagram, because Instagram became popular around that time. And then I was like, you know what, I got to figure out a way to actually interview people and talk to people because I want to have conversations and like pick their brains and figure out how they do what they do and why they do it. And so that's why I started this podcast. You know, I really wanted to do this and have more conversations with vegans of color. Um, Of course, these days, I'm more so just interested in just talking to people that I'm just genuinely interested in. I don't really care um, their ethnicity. But It will probably always be a focus on having vegans of color on the show because I feel like there's not enough conversations from our perspective. That is how I started it. I mean, just excited to see where this platform goes. There's so much more that I have to say and do. And I want to really talk more about, you know, mental health on the show, more wellness topics, more uh, vegan entrepreneurship. And like I said, just like I said in the beginning, not just food, this is just truly a lifestyle. And that's what I want to focus more on. So yeah, and like I mentioned a few minutes ago, if you want to start your own podcast, definitely go to startthatpodcast.com and sign up to work with me so that I can help you start grow and monetize your own platform. The final question is, what are some of your favorite cheese brands? I knew it was so funny when I was looking at this. I was like, I knew somebody was going to ask me that. <laughs> so um, vegan cheese has come a long way, y'all, a long way. Because I, when I first started, I mean, it was pretty bad. And it's not even perfect now, but it was really bad back then. And uh, some of my favorite brands are Miyoko. She is Her cheese is incredible. It's a cashew-based cheese. Really love her brand. Um, it's not that ex- it's not that affordable. I can't wait till the prices come down a little bit more on that. But it is amazing. I feel like it's the cl- one of the closest ones that you to cheese, even though it's not exactly like cheese. And and just 
the way I look at vegan cheese overall anyway is just something that you look at as a new experience. It's not going to taste exactly like cheese because if it did, everybody would already be doing it is how I look at it. But if you can find something that's close enough, that's good too. So Miyoko's Cheese is a great brand. I also love Field Roast Child Slices. Those are dope. I love their tomato cayenne. Um, Follow Your Heart is good too. They make some a good Gouda. Their cheese is great. I remember when I first went vegan, it was the only one that I was actually able to tolerate because I didn't like anything else. <laughs> and so Follow Your Heart is, is they're even better than they were when I first went vegan. So that's a great brand. And uh, and sometimes I like Daya. I just, I mean, if I had to pick between Daya and some other brands, I'm I'm not going to pick Daya. <laughs> Sometimes I like them, but overall, it's just not my favorite cheese. But I will say that I feel like that brand is way more accessible. So you could probably find them in like any grocery store these days, which is pretty cool. Those are the brands that I like. I'll be sure to link them on the show notes for episode 92 for you. I'll be sure to link everything I talked about in this episode for you um, for episode 92 at brownvegan.com. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so, so much for all of your support. It's much appreciated. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for sending me screenshots on Insta Story, letting me know that you're listening and that you appreciate the show because I appreciate you for listening. So, yeah, thanks for your time. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up and I will talk to you on Friday. I have a new episode for you. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you can Um, Check that out. Make sure that you also, if you are inclined to go over to uh, Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars, let other people find us so that we can continue to grow this thing. And so, yeah, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for your time. And I will talk to you on Friday. Have a good one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.